0: And welcome to another edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. I'm Chris Sork, alongside my main man, D. Louie here. And we come to you after K-State beats KU. 74-67 in front of a packed house at Bramlage Coliseum on Tuesday night. We're recording Thursday evening, so we've had a few days uh, to, to let the wind marinate. Uh, and as we'll bring here a, a review of the game, uh, kind of relive uh, K-State's uh, 74-67 win over KU, And also look ahead to a big matchup this Saturday in Waco as uh, the Wildcats take on the Baylor Bears. Uh, Baylor comes off of a loss last night uh, to Texas. So K-State is uh, the clear leader. Uh, no, no ties anymore at the top of this Big 12 standings as K-State uh, has sold possession of first place, as they make the turn uh, at 7-2 and two, uh, into the second half of the Big 12 schedule. D. Louie, I'm going to welcome you in here now. It's great to see you. You look better than ever.
1: Thank you, Chris. Uh, it's, and, and great, it's great to be back uh, doing another edition of the Short Sight Option, cataloging uh, this 2018-2019 campaign for the Wildcats, uh, the first place Wildcats uh, right. haven't been able to say that uh, in a while, especially this deep end of the season in either sport. So yeah. it's, uh, it's good times in Manhattan. It's good times in uh, the Short Side Option Studios.
0: That's right. That's right. Well, we come to you uh, like like Drew said with a uh, with a seven two record, first place in the Big Twelve. And, uh, it really, the second half of the Big 12, it, there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of interesting things that go on throughout the rest of the conference. Uh, I was doing some uh, looking last night at, at what each team has remained on their schedule, and I think this, um, this conference race is going to come right down to uh, the final week of the season. And, uh, with the way the Big 12 has been this week, well, or er, been this season, rather, excuse me, uh, where... You have a team like West Virginia, who's uh, by far the worst team in the conference right now, uh, beats KU at home. Uh, that could be a loss that uh, has you know negative impacts to KU in terms of their chance in the conference race. Last night saw Oklahoma State uh, nearly upset TCU. So really any game uh, on the rest of the schedule is, uh, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a toss-up, but uh, each night you have to bring it for sure. But... First, we're going to get into kind of the conference uh, picture here a little bit later, but let's go ahead and uh, relive Tuesday's 74-67 win
1: over the Kansas Jayhawks. I was there in attendance. You were at the scene. I was. You were in the octagon of doom, my man. I was. What, uh, talk about the environment a little bit. Was it, uh, you you were there as a student. Yes, I was. You got to experience the doom uh, against KU then, and... So how did uh, Tuesday night's atmosphere compare to some of the uh, other atmospheres throughout the years?
0: Uh, you know, really well. Uh, it was a it was a charged-up crowd, of course. Uh, big game for both teams. Anytime you have uh, you know your rival come to town, it's always a big game. But especially when both teams are, are jockeying for position at the top of the Big 12, it uh, makes the game even that more uh, intense and that more
1: meaningful. Well, and can I just say, why do you have your voice back? Because oh, yeah. Because these last— well, yesterday certainly, it, you were just very, very hoarse, ostensibly because you were just shouting the chant so loudly on on Tuesday night.
0: Uh, that's right, D Lou. I, you know, I was participating in the chant at at a good time. There were uh, a couple people around me, uh, of course, that were getting even far more into it than I was. Your, uh, which, your parents? Uh, well, there were there. Were, I won't single anyone out, but yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, there there were there were lots of folks that were really getting into it. Uh, not necessarily my parents, but. Uh, you know, maybe they had some other choice words for the uh, officiating and, and some other things that happened throughout the game uh, to voice their displeasure, but uh, we'll, we'll uh, move on past that here as we go into kind of how the game started. K-State got out to a nice start.
1: How about Cam uh, really charging the Wildcats up there in the first four minutes or so? Um, I think he had five points right off the bat yep, at least. Yep, scored the
0: first five uh, for K-State, and then uh, Dean Wade. Poured in a three to to uh, make it uh, eight one uh, early on here, but KU kind of hung around uh, as as you knew they would, and they ended up uh, you know taking the lead into halftime, thirty three to thirty.
1: Well, and they took that lead by doing what we expected them to do, uh, which is go into a zone. Yep. And we had a nice
0: long uh, one of our patented nice long scoring droughts, uh, of course. I'm going to look at the time on that exactly uh, from when uh, it, it, it took place. We, so we scored, tw- we were on 26 forever. So we scored uh, point number 26 on a um, Xavier Snead alley-oop. Pushed the score to 26-18 with 10 minutes left in the first half. And we finally got off 26 uh, with a Kamala Stokes free throw with 235 left in the first half. But not making a, a field goal until a little bit later, until with 45 se- or 44 seconds left, uh, with uh, Mike McGurl. So almost 10 minutes without a field goal uh, went K State. But that field or that three pointer by McGirl uh, to cut the lead to just a single possession going into halftime gave K State a little bit moment of momentum. And sure enough, um, it didn't take long for K State to. Uh, you know, get right back into into the driver's seat in this game uh, as they took the lead. Um, let me see here. Took the lead 39-36 on a Barry Brown three-pointer and then never trailed the rest of the way.
1: Yeah, I mean, that uh, that three by McGurl, I thought, was a very, very important. Um, just to, you know, you go into halftime down six, all of a sudden that, for whatever reason, that feels like a different – Mindset going into halftime being down six rather than being down just one score, and sure, uh, we didn't really waste too much time in the second half getting out to uh, a lead. I don't think is that correct. No, yeah, we uh, we took the lead
0: uh, on that Barry Brown three pointer uh, right before the under sixteen uh, media timeout. Uh, so after that, uh, after that portion of the game, Case State, like I said, never trailed.
1: Well, Barry, he, he had some big shots. He played uh, all 40 minutes, according to the box score, uh, on Tuesday night, which is kind of a rare sight for K-State this year. We you don't, I can't recall very many games throughout the season where we've had a single player go the go the distance.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I can't off the top of my head uh, recall as well. But really, when you look at uh, you know Mayween, of course, was saddled with two early fouls. Uh, he was uh, pretty limited in his effectiveness uh, on, on that on the court on Tuesday, uh, but Wade, Sneed, Brown, and, and uh, Stokes all playing thirty-five minutes or more. Wade at thirty-six, Sneed at thirty-five, Barry Brown, as we mentioned, playing all forty, and Kamal Stokes at thirty-seven. Really, uh, really never came out of the game for more than just. You know, a minute here, a minute there, of course, as you see with those numbers, but uh, I want to kind of transition here to the bench a little bit, because one guy, and of course we'll we'll get into this a little bit later, but uh, Cartier Jada, what a game from him, uh, two for two from behind the arc, and both threes, um, very crucial, uh, one of which uh, right at the end of the shot clock, I, both of them may have been at the shot, at, right at the end of the shot clock, but... Pours in 11 points and, uh, of course, has a dunk that will uh, be shown and and talked about for for years to
1: come. Yeah, and one thing that Jada did especially well was I felt like he really did a good job of uh, breaking the zone in a variety of ways, whether it's, uh, as you mentioned, shooting uh, from behind the arc, but he also had the ability to get in the middle of the zone, which Mm -hmm. K-State struggled to do for most of the night, I thought, and the announcers certainly highlighted it, but K-State got kind of trapped in that bad habit of theirs where they'll uh, just kind of pass it around the uh, the perimeter sure. and wait for something to happen. But when Jada was in the game, he wasn't waiting. He was, he was taking an initiative and driving inside, and whether he would finish on his own or kick it out uh, to find somebody an open shooter that um, is open because the zone collapsed. Uh, I thought he did a great job doing that, and it was something that he he did the best job of that out of any of the guards. And I think when he came out of the game, because he got into quote-unquote foul trouble with yeah. his second foul, mm-hmm. uh, that's really when it seemed like the offense became lethargic in the first half.
0: Yeah, so that's a that's a great point there, uh, D. Louis. Uh As we look at... What K State did to to finally, you know, carve up that zone uh, from KU a little bit, it's it's funny. I made the comment last night uh, on Twitter watching um, Texas and Baylor as well as um, TCU and Oklahoma State last night. I don't think I've remember seen uh, as many teams in the Big Twelve uh, play zone defense. Uh, from time to time, and I just look at that, and I think that uh, is it that maybe teams just aren't strong enough man to man that typically play it. Uh, Texas, they they always rotate defenses, but KU is primarily a um, a man to man team. Of course, with K State's uh, sporadic shooting from outside, it obviously makes sense to to play a zone. But I was a little bit surprised to see. Uh, KU go into a zone uh, pretty early on they're kind of starting out the game in a zone really for the most part and then you know switching back to man uh, kind of late in the game uh, and then of course uh, at that point K State uh, was able to uh, capitalize on on um, on that as well by uh, doing a lot of things I thought that were pretty well drawn up to get Dean Wade Um, ISO'd in some good positions, allowing him to to drive on Lawson, uh, get to the free throw line a couple times, also uh, just beat him off the dribble and get the defense moving.
1: Yeah, and, uh, you know, when I was watching it, when they got out of the zone, I was very happy. Um, And I personally think that they got out of it a little too soon, Um, and I feel like they should have just kept challenging us to hit threes. I mean, we did hit over 40%. We hit 41 uh, from three on Saturday, which is a nice number to have. But I don't know how sustainable that would have been in the last 12 minutes or so when they finally got out of it. But mm-hmm. uh, they went to man-to-man, and that's a that's a defensive set that I know K-State's a lot more comfortable attacking.
0: Yeah, sure. And, you know, I want to go back to a point you made uh, regarding how uh, Jada was able to really provide uh, some good penetration into the zone and being able to find, uh, you know, find open shooters due to that. He went to the bench with his second foul at 928, which uh, pretty closely followed the last bucket we scored on that Xavier Sneed dunk, which uh, Jada assisted on as well. And with him at, with him on the bench, we stayed at 26 for almost the remainder of the entire half. So that's a good job by you there, Drew. That's hey, that's I'd, a that's a good point by you, and that's that's well researched.
1: Well, that's why I bring my notebook uh, while I watch every game, just so I can jot down things. It's what I do in the press box, and uh, when I'm not on press row in basketball, I'm writing, making notes throughout the entire game. Um, do you ever? I,
0: can I? I know that you. Take meticulous notes. Do you ever doodle at all?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll draw pictures sometimes. I'll. Uh, I've been getting really good at uh, drawing 3D cubes. Oh, really? Yeah. Is that a fact? Uh-huh. I've, uh huh. I've. I'll be darned. I've. I've I don't want to say I'm a master at it, but I'm getting close. I'm getting close. Okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, that's. I'm gonna have to see if maybe if I can. Uh, you know, kind of maybe grab a little bit
1: of that uh, that talent from you. I'm always. I'm always looking to improve. I, what goal is that? Uh, that's four, baby. Number four. Okay. Yeah and uh you're also trying to be tough too. Of course, that's of course number 5. That's number 5. Uh, so. Always always trying to be tough every day. That's that's your favorite goal I know for sure, number 5, but uh no, I thought Jada did great. Obviously, he had a uh that moment at the end. Well, let's let's back up a little bit. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I don't um, I don't want to get to I don't want to get to the end of the Yeah, game let's here not jump yet. let's not jump up too far, but I want to take us to are you ready to get to the point where uh It's a three-point game. Well, I
0: I wanted to get a little bit into more of the meat of the second half. Okay, just wanted to quickly draw on a couple things. So let's go to let's let's talk a little bit about the opponent here with KU. They also had a guy that played 40 minutes with Diedrich Lawson, played all 40, and he was really, you know, sucking wind uh, throughout the game. And I think the biggest reason why, I think the biggest reason why KU decided to play more zone defense than maybe you're accustomed to seeing them play is because of K State's sporadic shooting. However, I think a part that shouldn't also go under uh, underappreciated or undersold is that they have to do what they can to keep Lawson uh, on the court whether if it's due to foul trouble, uh, you know, guarding a guy as talented as Dean Wade, and also just to limit his movement on the defensive end, uh, sticking him in that zone. And quite frankly, there were times where in the second half, they got a couple guys going, whether it was Charlie Moore or uh, LeGerald Vick had a couple, uh, had a a three-pointer, and then had a nice little pull-up from about 16, 17 feet that, Kind of got you thinking, okay, well, if if KU's going to you know be able to, to come and, and beat us here, it's going to probably be due to one of these secondary guys helping Lawson out. Because if Lawson has to do it all by himself, I just don't think he's... One, I just don't think he has the energy in, in him right now to do it. He's and no also, Chris Merriweather out there. Yeah, exactly. He's not, he doesn't have the energy. That's right. Uh, but... Uh, Good performance from him, Uh, talented player, uh, poured in 18 for him. But really offensively, he was the only guy on that team that you really had to, other than Dotson driving the basket, was the only offensive, offensive threat that you really had to worry about.
1: Yeah, I mean, they, they were getting some in the second half for sure. I, I was a little frustrated in the first half when because uh, KU
0: did get some contributions, like I said, from Charlie Moore and also Mitch Lightfoot. Yeah, which was just like. They got some couple. Lightfoot was able to be in the right place at the right time on some offensive rebounds that, that uh, he was able to convert on.
1: Right. But no, your, your point's a good one that it was pretty much for the Lawson show on uh, Tuesday, at least for KU. Uh, but you know what? He got his points. He got 18, uh, nine rebounds. Uh, but he did go six of fifteen from the field. Yeah, not. He a, went one of five from three. Not very efficient. Got to the line. The field, yeah. Got to the line. Made five of six free throws. But uh, if Ku's in a position where they're building their offense and and really making loss in the focal point, and we hold him to eighteen points, that's you, that, you gotta like that. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, and a, a broader point that I'd like to make on the defenses. You know, if you're going to keep loss to 18 points on 15 shots, that's that's great. Um, because the guy he's not going to shoot a ton of threes. He shot five threes, which is, you know, a little bit more on the high end for him. But K State did a great job of turning uh, of turning KU over. I uh, believe the final count was 23 turnovers, and and that is correct there with 23. Uh, when you look at the guard play. Um, uh, Abaji, four turnovers to no assist. Dotson has, had a positive assist-to-turnover ratio, five to four, so pretty much an even there. Uh, Vic had two turnovers. Um, and then Quentin Grimes had five turnovers. Um, so really, when you think about what, what K-State did defensively, not only on Lawson, but uh, throughout the entire roster of KU, uh, they come away with a, a pretty darn good grade in my eyes.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, when it's no mystery that K-State's a suffocating team on defense, but uh, Tuesday night, just being able to frustrate the KU backcourt and really just show their experience uh, comparatively, um, those guys looked lost a lot on offense uh, for KU, and I think that's just a credit to... The type of defense that this Bruce Weber squad plays.
0: Now, no Marcus Garrett for KU, which uh, you know is a has been a starter for them this season. Not necessarily a a guy that you can count on for a ton of scoring, but has been one of the more consistent scores for KU. Uh, kind of this conference season, not a great outside shooter, but gets lots of what he's able to get off of off of his defense, whether if it's stealing and taking it you know, all the way, or if it's uh, just driving with something in the half court. Uh, they, they missed that, uh, and that was, I think, pretty apparent
1: uh, Tuesday night. Yeah, I mean, Dotson, he's a good player, and he's going to be a great player for KU, but when...
0: Grimes and Vic were, were drawing a lot of KU fans ire uh, yeah. at the game, and also, you know, after the game, and I think deservedly so. But I think a lot, of, a large part of that is due to K-State's defense, really turning these guys – as I mentioned <clears> – <throat> excuse me, that hoarseness is coming back right now, Drew. Yeah, um, but, uh, worried about you. as I mentioned, Lawson, uh, of the starting lineup, only Le- LeGerald Vick had, had set foot in Manhattan, Kansas, to play. It's a, the toughest environment they'll play in all season. And uh, you can tell by the, the 23 turnovers – do in large part to uh, the environment and also uh, no small part, of course, to uh, the defense that K-State was playing.
1: Well, it was a perfect recipe for a lot of turnovers because it was the environment, certainly, but also just the lack of experience, as you mentioned, and K-State's uh, great defense, especially um, in the backcourt. So hard for KU to get much uh, breathing room there, and that really uh, resulted in... Getting K State twenty three extra possessions.
0: So let's um, let's get to the end of the game. Let's get to the final chapter here. All right. Okay. So K State has the lead kind of throughout the final eight minutes, of course, as I mentioned, <clears throat> and they it's they never have it out to really past six or eight points. I think I think it got out to to six. I think kind of right at about the eight-minute mark, but KU was able to keep it nip and tuck, uh, cutting it down to two, uh, and then we'd answer with, you know, push it back out to four or five. But I know that there was one moment that uh, that you had mentioned to me where when you saw Xavier Snead.
1: Yeah, well, it was right after Dotson made a uh, a layup. Well, we're up five with two and a half minutes left after Gerald uh, Vic makes that step-back three-pointer, which, quite a shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then... Uh, and then uh, Dean misses a three. Dotson gets the board. Dotson takes it and uh, gets a layup with about a minute 42 left. And all of a sudden, it's a three-point game and K-State fans are all starting to hold our breath because...
0: Yeah, there's still plenty of ball game left.
1: Yeah. Um, but then K-State goes down, and we hit Sneed on the corner. Mm-hmm. And at the time... Great,
0: and it was a great drive by Barry Brown, set up by a, a Kamal Stokes screen at the top of the zone. Drives in the lane, makes this guy commit, kicks to Sneed.
1: And, and Sneed splash. gets the ball, and I have to confess, at the time I was
0: you thought there was a decent chance it's going off the side of the back. Yeah. <laughs> because I said that's <laughs> we've happened a lot. You seen that before, huh? Uh
1: but no, he absolutely drills it and when he when he made it, I said, "Okay, we win." Up 6 points with about little over a minute left. You got to like your chances and uh especially with against an offense that's uh that's not as consistent or reliable as like KU's. Um and then the rest is history. The rest is literally history because that uh that steal by Cartier is going to live on forever. Um that dunk was just so it was gutsy. wild. Yeah, I and mean, it was awesome. I don't throw this word around lightly, but that was both uh legendary. i say it was iconic.
0: I would definitely say it's an iconic moment. Yeah, for
1: sure. That guy uh just the guts on him to go up and not ju- not do a lay-in, not just do a two-hand dunk, slam, yeah. But, but to go and uh, throw it down with style like he did is something that, uh, you know... There aren't many times throughout my K-State fandom that I can say, whoa, that was swag right there. Like, mm-hmm. that was done with... Uh, Supreme confidence, and that was just a really, really cool play. But that was one of those things that where, fits the bill. Yeah, where it was just like, whoa, that was big time.
0: Yeah, and the uh, it, that place erupted for sure. Uh, no question about was that. Was it as loud as the
1: two thousand pump? block? You can still you? Uh, that's that will never be. <laughs> no,
0: that will never be surpassed. <laughs> no, it, it now, it the two thousand. The two thousand. Um, pump block against Oklahoma. Loudest moment in human history. They say that the, uh... There might have been
1: a... I, go ahead, continue. Sorry. Well, I'm interrupting. Uh, way back when, I think the Soviet Union dropped the Tsar Bomba. hmm And that was the biggest explosion in history. And I, I'd have to check the recorded decibel levels of that at ground zero, but I I do think it was just shy of uh, the uh, the the pump block against Oklahoma.
0: Hmm. I I'd heard that there might have been a hole rip through the atmosphere due to the intense sound and energy created from KSU Stadium at the time. Wagner uh, Field. yeah. Wagner Field at KSU Stadium uh, when Terrence Newman picked up that punt and ran in for a touchdown
1: there. Man, that was so loud.
0: That was awesome. But enough about football. K State gets a 74 67 win over the KU Jayhawks. Feels good. Feels great. The one thing, though, that does kind of sting a little bit is that Barry Brown dunked in the count at the end of the game.
1: Yeah. What a, what a, what a, what a That was really good, too. That was just, at the time, it just felt like, I don't know, really cathartic is a nice, uh, flipping the metaphorical double fingers, uh, at the at Snob Hill, and just riding off into the sunset, uh, that was a very uh, welcome moment for certainly the K-State fans, but also probably for these group of seniors.
0: Yep, the senior class. Uh, I was at the game where Brandon Green uh, had the dunk in garbage time, and you were outraged. I, yeah, I was. I had to be restrained, forcefully, uh, from... Nah, I'm just making that up. I didn't have to be your restrained, yeah. but I was very upset, and because I mean the game was over. But shout out to Barry Brown for keeping that in the back of the old. An uh, elephant never forgets. That's me. right. Keeping that in the uh, I believe that's the correct term is the occipital lobe. That's where you store you know some of that memory back there.
1: I think the medical term is noodle. Noodle. <laughs> <laughs> You are the doctor. I come from Here, a actually, yeah. medical family. Um, yeah. Also, shout out Nathan Power, icon. Right that guy's an icon. That guy's an icon. That he is an icon. Actually, absolutely. No we'll, We have to amend our, our the list. It's always it's a it, it's not a it's kind of like the uh, the Constitution.
0: It doesn't get amended very often, but when it does, it's iconic. Yeah, take note. That's right. So K State gets the win, seventy four sixty seven over KU. Sets up a big matchup this Saturday against the Baylor Bears in Waco. Um, Baylor, of course, as I said, lost to Texas last night. Got smoked. Yeah, yeah. They got they got beat on pretty good. Texas had a lead out, uh, I believe, as much as 18 at one point. Baylor did make it competitive uh, towards the end of the game. But uh, Texas ended up winning that game, believe by... Uh, 10-12 points, uh, double digits, and uh, so now K State sets a, sets alone at the top of the Big Twelve. So, Drew, when you look at this game as we as we head in to Waco, what um, do you feel like this is a spot for a trap game in terms of K State coming off of an emotional win over a rival at home, have to go on the road to a team uh, like the Baylor Bears, which I would feel like this would be more of a trap game if Baylor's sitting at you know six or seven in the Big Twelve standings, uh, but they're still right up there towards the top of the standings and still very much a contender in this conference race. I don't know if this necessarily has the the feel of a letdown in terms of, oh you know we overlook them maybe like we did against Texas A and M, but a game that you know you spend a lot of energy of course against KU, uh, but having to go out and getting up for a, a big game against Baylor. Uh, do you see any chance that Casey uh, doesn't come motivated and, and ready to play?
1: Well, I mean, I think it's easy to call it a trap game just because of the emotion involved in the after a game like the one on Tuesday. Um, you know, I think it's easy for these guys to feel pretty high on themselves uh, and kind of forget about... That horrible performance against A&M A and couple of weeks ago, and that's a little concerning because, as we know, and as we saw on Tuesday night, this offense is never a sure thing. And
0: when and, and you know the one thing too, I'll say, K State still scored seventy four points and had a almost a ten
1: minute field goal drought, which is pretty impressive. Now they also shot over forty percent from three, which is a bit of an outlier yeah, based been, on their I season. Mean, if you
0: shoot. The average is thirty-five percent from three. Well, shoot-
1: what's K-State's average this year?
0: Well, d I was hoping you would ask. K-State shoots it at oh, golly, let me see here. Looks like they shoot at thirty-two percent.
1: Yeah, so fair to say that Tuesday wasn't an out-of-body. No, shooting it was a good shoot. It was a good shooting. It was it was a good shooting. And
0: you're right. gonna shoot better at home than on the road, unless you play in Stillwater. Stool water. That's right.
1: Um, but to your point, no, I, I do think it's. I, I do think it, there might be a trap issue on on Saturday, even though there's no reason for there to be one because Baylor's clearly a good team and it's an important game, and I think that K State should be motivated. But it's easy to dip your noses too far in that Manhattan Mercury and start reading your own press clippings.
0: Yeah, that's. I mean, when if Ned Seaton's right about you, you know you have to you have to get it get your nose about hot it. off
1: the presses. If yeah. old hot off the presses Ned, it's uh, it's hard to ignore someone like that singing your praises.
0: That's right. Well, so let's talk a little bit about Baylor here.
1: So, Tell me about him. So this is going to be a a Baylor team that's going to be a lot like a lot of Baylor teams. Is that right? They're going to go out there and play zone and be have a bunch of long defenders.
0: Yeah, I mean, this isn't necessarily the same type of Baylor team as you might be maybe accustomed to because you definitely remember those teams that had, oh, geez, like Jonathan Motley just a couple years ago and uh, even before him, Perry Jones and those super long athletic guys. They they have a little bit of that, of course, no question. Uh, they, but they don't have... I don't think quite that level of athlete like you have seen on some of these older Baylor teams with oh, Isaiah Austin and, you know, the list goes on. Rico Gathers, of course, more of the bowling ball uh, type, type guy. Also a uh, tight end for the Dallas Cowboys these days, in case you, uh, in case you may not have been aware. But uh, this is a Baylor team that is good. Uh, very surprising. Preseason, believe they were picked last in the Big 12 which um, is a testament to the job that Scott Drew has done this season. I always get in the uh, – whenever the argument comes up, and it seems like it happens, oh, once or so a year at least, if not more, that, oh, Scott Drew's not a good coach. You get, the guy can't coach at all. He's he's not good. I, I have no idea what people are thinking when they say that. Because you look at what he's done. I mean, obviously, he inherited – an absolute disaster of a program. I mean, on
1: the court and off.
0: Yes, absolutely, a complete disaster. And he's got them to two lead eights. They haven't been able to break through to get to that final four. But they have been a pretty darn consistent team. And then, you know, people say, "Oh well, he's got so much talent to work with." A Baylor. He he's had some talent with Isaiah Austin. And uh, he, I think he was the top recruit at the time. Uh, one of the Baylor's top recruits that they had ever landed when he committed to Baylor. But I think Scott Drew, uh, I think he does, a, he, there are a couple things that he does that are that are kind of weird. I, he, I always noticed, and he's like the only coach I've ever noticed that has done this uh, on a somewhat regular basis. But when, and just kind of like a random time in the first half, after they make a shot, he'll just randomly call a timeout like right before the other team can inbound the ball <laughs> to to just stop the game like when, even when it throws him off their rhythm yeah even when it throws his and I've seen him throw his own team off the rhythm by doing that but there there have been a couple of times where you kind of scratch your head but really the results speak for themselves he's done a, a very good job of Baylor uh, during his tenure there and also um, also uh, you know of course this year I think right now he has to be the uh, the leader in the clubhouse uh, here. Well, not the leader in the clubhouse. The leader at the turn, as as most teams are are just either on the tenth hole uh, or the uh, just making the turn here on the ninth hole uh, of conference games. As the Big Twelve Coach of the Year,
1: so uh, well certainly, and especially after the the odd start that they had, mm-hmm. they start the season six and four. Mm-hmm. You know who their four losses were to. Uh, I don't know exactly who they were too, but I know they have.
0: Lo- I don't know exactly when the order of them are. They lost to Texas
1: Southern. I know they lost to Texas Southern. They lost to the uh, uh, Mississippi University I mean, not, of Mississippi. That's not, that's not it a, bad isn't loss. a bad loss. No. Then they go out and lose at Wichita State. That's a bad loss this year. That's yeah, not
0: it. It's Wichita- at
1: Wichita. It's not a bad loss. It's. Icon? It's not.
0: It's not a terrible loss. That's
1: a bad team in Wichita this year. It's a B game on Kim It's a bad game. And then they go out and lose to Stephen F. Austin, which no, is bad. an in-state that, rival. That's bad. Yeah, but That one's bad. Underwood ain't there anymore. No. And so they, they start Illinois the season... You,
0: you should know that, if, if anyone. Oh,
1: I do. Big win for big win against Sparty the other night. That's right, baby. Uh, but, so they start their season, their first 10 games, they're pretty chaotic start down well, in Waco. and then
0: also you have to, to keep in mind that they're doing this without... One of their top two or three players in Tristan Clark, uh, been sidelined for, excuse me, uh, been sidelined since the start of conference play with a, um, or right at the start of conference play uh, with an injury. He won't be back for the rest of the season. So when you lose the kind of, well, once, like you said, once you get off that bad start and also uh, have some pretty significant injuries to come through, uh, that's quite a lot to overcome. and to see Baylor right now, uh, setting where they are in the conference at six and three, uh, pretty darn impressive.
1: Pretty darn impressive, and uh, hopefully we can take that to six and four on Saturday. And to do that, what's K State going to have to do? Because they're, you know, it seems like these Bruce Weber teams tend to do decent against the Baylor zone historically.
0: Yeah. So K State uh, was able to sweep Baylor last year, and they've had some success against the zone, oddly enough, because. Uh, k State ha- has at times even as recently as um, Tuesday struggled against the zone. but if they're going be able to to, um, to be able to solve this Baylor zone, which Baylor will play primarily zone I'd probably say they go about 80-20 in terms of zone uh, to man. I don't think they'll stay in zone the entire time. I think they'll you know give us some different looks as well, but they'll primarily be in zone. Uh, but the one guy that I would uh, focus on is Makai Mason, uh, their lead guard. Uh, Interesting story about his career. He had uh, started off his career at at, uh, Yale. He's a Yaley. And he actually played a very large part in upsetting Baylor in the NCAA tournament, uh, only then to transfer to Baylor uh, just a few years later. So... Uh, with Makai Mason, you're going to get an outstanding three-point shooter, uh, a guy that can really fill it up, uh, scored 40 points uh, against TCU uh, just last week in a game that uh, the Bears crushed the, the Horned Frogs 90-64, to made nine three-pointers in that game. However, dealing with a bit of a foot injury right now, uh, it's been reported. Be interested to monitor his status. He didn't play his normal uh, load of minutes uh, that, he, that he you know, you're typically see him play. He's usually a 30, 35-minute uh, uh, game kind of guy. But uh, last night against Texas, uh, only limited to 23. And he also got uh, you know, jacked in the jaw pretty good as well. So be interested to see what his status is. I fully expect him to play. Uh, but with being a little bit hobbled by a foot, injury that that's something to keep an eye on for sure
1: especially because K-State has an extra day of rest for this game which they do which you know what pretty nice to have nice to have nice to have but is is the game on Saturday is that going to be one of those is it going to be a similar situation to the game we saw on Tuesday where K-State's going to have to rely on their guards to get inside there or because even on even on Tuesday I mean, conventional wisdom says, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you're the hardwood expert, conventional wisdom says, pass it to Dean on the free throw line, and that should be your focal point on offense to bust the zone, but that, K-State wasn't having a ton of success with that, Yeah, and so, maybe it was, and from my perspective, it's, they didn't even try to do it all that often, or they tried, yeah. it just wasn't there.
0: Well, and Ku was doing a really great job, uh, a really good job of, of woofing after Dean with their guards, uh, the two guards up top. Once he once he did get the ball, you know, in that uh, elbow extended, free throw line extended uh, area, they were you know pestering him. They got called for a couple fouls, but they were able to pester him a little bit with that and and kind of make him a bit uncomfortable. Missed a couple shots that you know he typically makes from that. Um, from that area, and that's something that also uh, is doing parts of the pressure uh, from the guards on the backside doing. But yes, you're absolutely right. You do want to get the ball, of course. That high post uh, area of the of the floor, because at that point against the two three zone, you're playing you know three on three right there, and you've got um, you you've got a guy like Dean Wade who's can who put the ball on the deck. Can shoot it from fifteen foot with you know great accuracy, and uh, can also handle a double team and and um, kick to find the open guy. So he's you know extremely important to to being able to break that zone. However, I think the biggest part, uh, if K State's going to be able to break the zone, is the guard play. Uh, I think it also is helpful having K-State played against the zone just Tuesday, uh, on Tuesday where they saw what works against it. Now, KU doesn't play the zone very often. It's not a very good 2-3 zone. Baylor's is going to be better at 2-3 zone because they, they play it more often. but And they're built for it. They're, they're more built for it, personnel-wise, than KU. But at the same time, the same actions against KU when, when things were working well for K-State will work against Baylor. And that's the guards not being content with just, you know, dishing around the perimeter and, you know, settling uh, for a, a contested jump shot uh, late in the shot clock or driving into the paint amongst the trees and, and trying to force up a tough, uh, you know, shot at the rim. So K State needs to look at what they did against KU successfully, and a lot of that was with uh, you know driving the ball, finding those driving lanes, and not necessarily always driving to score, but also driving with the intent to pass.
1: Well, yeah, I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to see some more initiative out of our guards, especially our starting guards, uh, because Jada was the only one on Tuesday that seemed to. Uh, have a clue about how to attack. And sometimes, K3.
0: and sometimes it's as simple as just getting a step on your guy, making somebody step up, kicking it out, or on one of Jada's uh, assists to Stokes uh, down at the start. Or it was in the in the first half. He drives by his guy, gets to the baseline uh, from the top of the key whips a pass around to mm-hmm. Stokes right in the corner, those shots are there. Those passing lanes are there. But first you have to be able to, to get that step and get by your guy.
1: Well, and also, uh, it seems like when we've, especially on Tuesday, when, when KU got into that zone, that we kind of abandoned setting screens. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I understand that screens aren't typically as effective as they are when a team's in a man-to-man. But still, just giving your guard some room and allowing for them to penetrate a little bit and find some vulnerabilities in that zone seems like it goes a long way. Sure. And so I I wonder if we'll see more of that on uh, on Saturday as well.
0: Yeah, and a couple other guys I want to mention for Baylor, uh, King McClure. Uh, he's been there. He's an experienced uh, senior guard for Baylor. Good three point shooter, long athletic def- or an athletic defender. Uh, a guy that uh, is going to going to probably match up with Barry Brown. Um, also Jared Butler, a, a, a freshman who's been one of the better freshmen in the conference so far this season, uh, a guy to watch. Uh, and then one of my favorite players is uh, is Mark Vidal. He's 6'5", 230, but when you look at him, he reminds me a little bit of of Rico Gathers in, in, in some – uh, in some respects, just because of how he's built. I mean, that guy, for, for a true sophomore, he, he is not going to be pushed around. He's an athletic defender. He's got a different game than uh, than what um, – why am I blanking on his name now? I just said it. A Rico Gathers. Rico Gathers. It's a completely different game than Rico Gathers. But when you look at the, the physicality of those guys and, and you know, how they – how they play the game. They both play with a very physical nature, so uh, something to watch there. And I know you've got it pulled up over there, but we have, uh, I think, maybe the best name in the Big 12 uh, on the Baylor Bears.
1: Yeah, Flo Thamba.
0: Any relation to Mo Bamba, Uh
1: Yeah, actually. Current they, they Magic are... star, as well as former Longhorn legend. And uh, the namesake of what the uh, K-State Athletic Department is, I guess, trying to replace Sandstorm with. Yeah. So... Flo Thumba.
0: Yeah, it was uh, that's a great name. Flo- I like Flow better than Mo Bomba.
1: Well my personally. grandma's name was Florence. Uh huh. So she's kind of a flow too. Yeah. I wonder if they're related. Someone can come maybe back with look after into the break. It, yeah. So
0: well we've we've talked here a little bit about what K State has to do to be successful against this Baylor team and kind of who some of the highlight players are. Uh, how do you see I, it? how do you see I, the I, game do, going? I do really like this Baylor team. I like how they're how they're comprised. Like a lot of their players, they also have another All-Namer, Devontae Bondu. <laughs> what a name! Man. So, but I do like this Baylor team. It's a uh, it, it's a, a good story to see the kind of success that they've had, uh, coming from projected in last place in the Big 12 uh, to to being right in, in the uh, the thick of conference uh, title contention here at the midway point. And as many good <laughs> things as I've said about Baylor. I can't pick them to win this game. I'm picking K-State, baby. I'm picking K-State by a score 68-63. A tight game in Waco, but I like uh, I like the cats to come out on this one. I think at the end of the day, it's the same thing uh, that uh, I often say in these games. Too much Barry Brown, too much Dean Wade late in the game with Dean Brown or Dean Dean Brown, yeah, that'd be a nice name. Uh, Wade and Brown or Brown and Wade sounds like a nice law firm too, as far as that goes. Yeah,
1: I think that they. I've heard discussion that they're thinking about going to uh, law school after they finish Are up they their a time. Deal? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, Washburn's been all over them. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, that'd be, that'd be quite the uh, quite the coup for the for the Ichabods. But I think uh, Dean Brown, Dean Brown, Barry Brown and Dean Wade will be the difference in this game, as they've been in, in a lot of games down the stretch here for K-State uh, throughout this season. It, it's the same recipe for K-State. The one thing that I love seeing against KU uh, in this game against uh, – in the game against KU was how well uh, they were balanced. You had Jada with 11, Snead with clutch shots. Uh, as he poured in – let me see here. As he poured in 14 – Wade only with 12 points but was effective in getting other guys set up with five assists. Uh, Brown with 18. That consistent diet of scoring uh, from all from all uh, contributors uh, is the reason why K-State's in first place right now. And if they continue to, to, to play at that level, uh, they'll find themselves in first place at the end of the season. So, uh, DeLouis, what do you got for your prediction on Saturday's matchup?
1: ah uh... It pains me to say it, and maybe this is just the uh, the defeatist K-State fan coming out on me, but this game feels like a, a game that K-State has dropped in the past. Sure. Um, and this... Know, yeah, go ahead. I, I think we're, we're feeling pretty high right now. I do think that uh, there's something to the effect that K-State could be a little overconfident right now. Uh, still riding high off that emotional Those victory. There's Ned
0: Seaton press clippings. Well, kidding, maybe, right?
1: but and more importantly, it's a team that plays the zone really well. And that that's a set that K-State has struggled against uh, really all season. And, um, you know, against a team that knows how to run it, how it's supposed to be run, can run it more effectively than Kansas, I think K-State is going to really have to rely on outside shooting on Saturday, and I think that that's not a situation that's beneficial to K State's offense. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if K State has another uh, patented scoring drought, um, but going on the road, this feels like a game that K State's going to drop to me. Uh, I'm going to say K State uh, loses down in Waco 60 to 57, and it it pains me to say it. Because I'm, I I can tell you, I'm riding like, high. It looks like you're in physical pain when I'm, you say this. I'm sweating right now uh, because I love Bruce so much and I love this team so much, but uh, I I do think that uh, we're gonna kind of get a gut punch on Saturday, and if that happens, buckle up because these this last stretch of the Big Twelve race is gonna be on.
0: Would you? Okay, so I don't want to tease well I I will I'll go ahead and ask it because we won't record a podcast uh, before Tuesday's game against Texas. But do you think K State drops two on the road here uh, with back to back games in the Lone Star State? Well, I haven't done a deep study on Texas uh, since it, the first game. Just one one quick note here. Uh, Ken Palm views these games and. The advanced metrics aren't going to like K-State uh, due to a couple real bad performances. The, the games that really have sunk K-State uh, in the advanced metrics is really the Texas game is the, the largest driver to that. So that's really kind of buoyed down K-State's uh, view or the computer's view on K-State. But uh, Ken Palm has both of these games very similar profile, low possession games, uh, has got Baylor uh, upsetting or well I don't know if it would be an upset I guess for via his metrics but he's got a 63 58 Baylor win and a 62 58 Texas win uh, against K State do you think k State splits the pair loses two
1: yeah uh, I, I, I think K state splits if got into my head right now I say K State probably loses on Saturday and goes out and gets a W in Austin. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's mostly just because I like the matchup against Texas more, just because I think K-State's more comfortable playing a team that isn't built to run a zone, Um, which uh, K-State had some success against KU with, but after a long period where they didn't. And uh, so, yeah, I I would expect them to to get the W uh, next Tuesday against Texas. but. Um, and I think all things considered, if, if K-State was able to
0: split the um, this road trip uh, down to Lone Star State, wouldn't it be the worst thing?
1: No, I mean, with the games left on K-State's schedule, you start really looking here and start thinking, okay, let's see how serious we are about uh, winning the conference. I think Baylor and Texas are uh, probably two of – the three, if not four, two of the four hardest games left on K-State's schedule. Uh, obviously going to uh, Snob Hill, uh, that trip looms large. But um, you have at Texas, at Baylor, and uh, Versailles State in Bramlage. And I think those are the games uh, that are probably going to make or break this team so long as K-State takes care of business against the teams they should, the West Virginias, the Oklahoma States. uh I mean, at TCU, it's not going to be a gimme, but uh, I think those four games are going to be probably, I mean, not, not probably, those are the toughest games left on K-State's schedule. Sure. And if they can split those four games, you got to like K-State's chances.
0: Sure, sure.
1: I, I think that's well said. But winning on Saturday would go a long way for K-State, and uh, that would be an important victory if they can, uh, certainly if they can win on Saturday, and absolutely if they can sweep.
0: Absolutely. I, I think it's well said. Well, that'll do it for the KU review and the Baylor preview. Uh, I've got K-State winning 68-63. D. Louie over here has got uh, K-State dropping a heartbreaker in Waco. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, maybe a cup of coffee on the line uh, with, this, uh, with this result. We, you never can tell with us. But uh, that'll do it here for this portion of the podcast. We'll be back after a short break. To answer your questions in this week's Ask the Icon segment, join us after the break.
1: All right, welcome back to this week's edition of the Short Side Option podcast. And a programming note: uh, no Wildcat legend on this episode of the Short Side Option. You know why? Because this week's Wildcat legend, Skylar Thomas. Okay, no, we, already, we already said it. I know, yeah, but absolutely. But to, to add a second uh, Wildcat Legend of the Week, just wouldn't feel right. It feel it would have felt like we were kind of shortchanging uh Skyler and, and that is not what we were wanting to No, absolutely not. Stretch, no. So we're gonna cruise right on through, uh, continue honoring Skyler Thomas, and while we do so, we're gonna get into a little segment we call Ask the Icon. Our listeners of the Short Side Option can submit their very own questions to the Short Side Options very own Chris the Icon Sork. Listeners can do so by submitting their questions to the Short Side Options podcast, which is at tsso underscore podcast, or by using the hashtag Ask the Icon, or uh, by hiring a skywriter and paying him to uh, write your question out in the sky right above uh, the studios, mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll read it. You know.
0: I, I'd like to say I noticed somebody uh, made a visit to my car.
1: Oh really? Get, somebody etched their question into the old uh, Buick?
0: No, 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 no. Just uh, with um, shoe polish huh. on on the on the window. Well, what was the question? What was the question? Uh, the question. It wasn't really a question. It was just a. Uh, it was just a statement. It just said we Heart Icon. Oh, he so a, the you, fan club. Thank
1: you for the uh, the support, folks. You guys that's, are you guys are the best. That's that's great. That's wonderful. Uh, but if you're going to do so, I encourage you to yeah, ask, ask a question. Yeah, just ask a question next time. It, it, it would be great. We if, appreciate if the were. adoration. Yeah. Um, but, hey, if you got a question, we'll answer it, man. Absolutely. Uh, our first question this week comes from listener Darren Holiday at Everyday Holiday on Twitter. Darren asks, Icon of all the blue bu- blood perennial powers in college Ooh, that basketball. That is a tongue twister. It is the blue blood perennial powers. Wow, hey, that's good work that's, by you there. That's I, I was uh,
0: calling Barry Brown and Dean Wade Dean Brown last segment. That that's not a tongue twister. But comparison. You, no that's, comparison.
1: That's the, that's some alliteration there by Darren. It's good job by him. Um, Yes, of all the blue blood perennial powers in college basketball. <laughs> Who has the best reputation of not being associated with improper activities in their program? So, when I think of blue blood, is it was it
0: blue blood perennial powers? Yeah, that's right. I mm-hmm. That's a bad... Good job on me there. Yeah. Uh, it's a kind of a tough list here. So, I would have said Indiana, probably, if you would have asked me this question about 10 years ago. But... The Kelvin Sampson stuff really wasn't all that bad, but they got hit pretty hard by the NCAA there. Um, UCLA, it's certainly not them. Uh, North Carolina with all the academic stuff, uh, not not them. KU, I don't even know if they're a blue blood. Um, Michigan State, not a blue blood. Michigan. One guy ch- chimed in and mentioned Michigan. And I, and he mentioned about how clean John Beeline was. but Are they a blue blood? No, they're not. But they're a very good program, and I do have a lot of respect for John Beeline. So shout out to John Beeline there. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of his. One
1: team, one obvious omission so far. Is this where you're going? For the time being, yeah, it is. got to go with Duke. Yeah.
0: And if they uh, decide to maybe investigate Zion Williamson's recruitment, maybe they might uh, not be so clean after all. I, there's, of course, been some things in the testimony about, uh, you know, what it would take to get Zion Williamson to come to KU, and he obviously, didn't, obviously didn't go to KU. So maybe, uh, maybe Duke ponied up more. I don't know. But uh, yeah, Coach K um, runs a clean program. I have a lot of respect for him. Um, in terms of you know what's come to light so far, so Duke's the answer for me.
1: All right, great question by Darren. Uh, Taking a question from listener Steve Z. Okay, Steve Z asks, "Icon number one, he has a couple."
0: Oh, okay, bring it on.
1: Number one, how many times have you watched the Jada dunk?
0: Several. It's uh, I've got we got a, a new uh, several, s- huh? <laughs> I, I well, I re- two or three. <laughs> uh, I would say upwards of thirty at this point. Yeah, and. Because, I mean, it's a six-second clip. You can watch that. You can crank them out, you yeah, know, pretty quick. But um, it's also uh, we got a new um, background on the phone.
1: Oh, really? That awesome one where he's skying through, baby. Yeah, where uh, it's pointed towards uh, kind of the corner there, mm-hmm. with no squawks really mm-hmm. in the frame. It's yeah. a good. Magic. It's a.
0: It's a great, uh, great picture, and it was a. Uh, Great moment, great great highlight, and it will be one that uh, from now until a long time, that's going to be played in every K State pregame video, um, any type of uh, you know, promotional material re- related to K State basketball, that will be at the forefront.
1: Well, and it'll be nice to have a clip of. A monster dunk for K State, where it actually went in subsequently. Yeah, and you know yeah. It, it
0: was a perfect icing on the cake. Now, granted, the game was not over at that point, but uh, at that point, you, you, uh, oh, it, it was, was all over. it was all over. But the crime. it was over before that point. Yeah, yeah as, as you as you alluded to. Yeah. Uh, no, what what's, what else you got for me? Come on, lay it on.
1: Uh, Stevie asked a question, kind of outside the sports uh, world. Okay. He asks, if you got to pick two bands or artists. For a show to see at Red Rocks this summer. You know Red Rocks. I've been,
0: yeah. Oh, you've
1: been before? I have. Okay, well, I'll follow up on that. (laughs)
0: Yeah, okay, go ahead. Uh, Go
1: ahead. Which two bands or artists would you pick? Well, Red Rocks, if
0: if folks haven't been out there, is an unbelievable concert
1: venue. Oh, yeah, you saw fish out there, didn't you? Not quite. You're, You're a big fish head.
0: No, no, no. I'm not, I, I don't even know who Fish is. I, I'm not. I'm not big into the music. Okay, but if I was going to see now, does it? They, do they have to still be like touring, or can it be? Mm-mm. It can just be any. Yeah. How good would Dire Straits sound up there, man?
1: Oh man, they they put on a show. They did put on a show. They have one song I really like. Uh, I think it's <coughs> it's like Cash or Change, Currency yeah. for or no I don't know. No, oh, who, who knows. Okay, so Dire Straits. Uh, I didn't say that was my choice. Oh, okay. <laughs> sorry. I, I'm sorry for assuming. No, actually it was. <laughs> I just
0: was giving you giving you grief there, D. Louis. Uh, but we'll go we're going to go to completely opposite ends of the spectrum here. We're going to go Dire Straits, love their music, and then number 2, Marshmallow. No. Uh My main, one of my favorite country groups of all time, the favorite country group of all time, Alabama. I thought you were going to say Dixie Chicks. (laughs) (laughs) They they were very unfair to President Bush, so I don't don't appreciate that. But no, I actually, when I went out to uh, Red Rocks uh, a time before, it was to uh, go to an Alan Jackson concert. Oh, wow. And it was great. It was great out there.
1: Well, that's a great time. How far is that from uh, your homeland?
0: Oh, not that far. So, Denver, uh, just straight on I-70, is is four hours, pretty much. And so, Red Rock's just a little bit further past that. All right. Well, it's, a good,
1: it's good stuff by Steve Z.
0: Yeah, it's good stuff by him.
1: It's a good job by him. Great job. Uh, listener, fanman underscore KSU, at fanman underscore KSU on Twitter. Yes. Uh, how can we widen our nets on finding more duds? Uh, I'm finding... I'm fine with signaling one out a week, but maybe we could have at least one honorable mention candidate a week as well.
0: Well, this doesn't seem like it's a question for the icon. Yeah, it's. That's
1: sounds like an ask a D Lou question.
0: And as the icon, I'm handing the microphone over here to uh, to to D Louie. What yeah, to you? That's right. Uh, That's right, big dog. It's this is this is your baby now. D. Louis, give, uh, give the folks at home, if they're not familiar, I don't know how they couldn't be. This is a phenomenon that's uh, sweeping s- sweeping the nation.
1: I mean, let's just call it what it is. Everybody in the country is talking about many, studs and duds.
0: Many people are saying this. And I'd like for you, uh, for maybe the listeners uh, that aren't maybe as familiar with what you do uh, with the studs and duds and how you compute that, Uh, My Shores Uh, let us hear
1: it well a little history I started doing studs and duds uh, gosh probably in 2014 or so Um, I I was really just looking for AP poll voters uh, who were being unfair and being biased Um, and they the AP puts out the the ballots every week and there's something like there's a little over 60 voters every week and you run an analysis on their uh on their ballots and i've put together a a very complex formula uh that's proprietary and i uh i shoot all the ballots into the formula and the uh the algorithm shoots them back out and it tells me who has the best ballot that week and who has the worst ballot that week and uh and then i just deliver it to uh to k-state nation um to uh, fan man's point uh you know we're only going to do one we're only gonna do one a week uh, because only there's only one stud a week worthy of being called a stud and there's really only one dud a week worthy worthy of being called a dud um so we're not going to do honorable mentions we're gonna keep it focused and we're gonna we're we're just gonna signal it to those two only one stud only one voter every week is worthy of our praise, and only only one voter every week is worthy of our um, our anger, and so our fury, our fury, and our retribution. So, uh, fan man, it's a good job by you. Good question, but uh, sticking to one. And in this same vein, uh, do sorry,
0: some, uh, we have some breaking news to report here on
1: the short side option. Oh, all uh, right. This is and this is the medium to do it. Uh, coming through. Uh, it,
0: it's come to my attention here. Uh, A statement by Kansas men's head basketball coach, Bill Self. LeGerald Vick will take a leave of absence from the team effective immediately. Quote, LeGerald has some personal matters that require his immediate attention, and he will be taking a leave of absence from our team. During this time, we will respect LeGerald's privacy. There is no timetable for his return. Huh. So
1: LeGerald's getting kicked off the team. I, I don't know. Usually, he's the one doing the kicking. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, you could definitely say that. But uh, pretty big news here for, wow. for KU uh, to to have that um, to have that news come down on this Thursday night. Uh, they host Oklahoma State at home, which I'll tell you what. I, Oklahoma State is very short-handed, but they are a a plucky team. They're going to fight tooth and nail. They all, in all honesty, should have beat TCU last night on the road. So. Not saying that they'll beat KU, but uh, it's a dangerous team, uh, an undermanned, but a dangerous team. So,
1: boy, you, uh, what's going on on Mount Orie? It's not good for him right now. Not
0: good for him. So, kind uh, of a
1: circus over there in uh, Larryville. In yeah. yeah, Larryville. Uh, our next question comes from Danny Linder at Deal sanity Dose, and he has another question about studs and duds. All right, it's a, you're a hot topic it, this week. It's, uh, it's on people's minds. He asks, Can we get a top five or ten if you're feeling frisky? All-time dud list. I will listen off air. Uh, icon? I'm going to... Please. Mike's yours. Um, all-time dud list. Now, this is in no order except for the last one. <laughs> the last one is King Dud. King Dud. And I have an idea of where this is going. Yeah, so... There's a few names that stand out uh, over the years. Uh, John Wilner is one of them. He's a complete bozo. Uh, I think he's out of Sacramento or yeah, San Jose. He's, he's
0: out of Southern California. Yeah. Uh,
1: but he's... At the beginning of every football season... Just, I shouldn't say Southern California. Just California. Just take a peek at John Wilner's ballot because it is famously bad. Uh, he had like... I think it was, was, not this last season, but probably in the 2017 season, he had, like, Texas in the top five or something. Yeah, well, that's... But but it was just, just like, on yeah. And, uh, so he's up there. Uh, obviously, Callis Robinette's a dud, um, and which is a shame because he's so close to, to such a talented, couple talented programs like K-State football and K-State basketball, there's really no excuse for, uh, him to be overlooking that. Uh, Josh Vital, Oh, yeah. D- Dickie's nephew? Yeah. Uh, I think. Yeah. I-, I don't want to state that authoritatively, but...
0: Instead of, he's
1: awesome, baby.
0: He's awful, baby! Oh, Josh, Josh needs a T.O.
1: Josh, uh, had a lousy bout that last week, and then was, lacked a lot of grace, uh, <coughs> refusing to, uh, put any kind of effort in or showing yeah. any kind of remorse.
0: Very I mean just poor form, really, from,
1: from Josh there. That's a bad job by him. Is that three or four so far? That would be three. So we have Doug, we have Kellis, we have Josh, and we have John. Yeah, who, uh, oh, I haven't mentioned Doug have, Doty. <laughs> yeah, you we haven't yeah. mentioned Doug. Uh Doug Doty, as I call him He is uh he's a Joker too. He's he's been on A few times. Uh, Not so much recently. This guy's out of, I think he writes for the Roanoke Times out of uh, Virginia, I want to say.
0: Roanoke's a very interesting place.
1: Uh, Yeah, that was the... uh, The Lost City. The Lost City, that's right. That's right. Uh, Well, he should lose his AP ballot. uh, Pronto. (laughs) Pronto. But he's he's really bad, too, at ranking teams. And then finally, of course, uh, Jesse Newell. Uh, He's a KU homer in famously horrible ballots, Uh, just very disrespectful to teams that really ought to be ranked, and uh, very favorable towards the Squawks, which I think is completely inexcusable, and uh, it's a shame, but you know what? That's the world we live in. That's the world we live in, and I would just... You're doing... Well, you're not doing it. Your algorithm is. Yeah, the algorithm does it, and I have no say on what... I mean, I I designed the algorithm, but I, I don't know what it's going to shoot at every week. Sure. Nobody does. No one does, yeah. Um, and so... But you know what? Goal number four exists for everybody. So, Jesse, get better. Improve. Every day is a, a man. Husband, father. Student. Yeah. Whatever. AP voter. And football player, particularly in these guys' case, though AP voters. Yeah, that, that's that's one that's most applicable yeah. to them. Yeah. But uh, I take all of them to heart. I try to get a little bit better every day at, at all those things. Hey, keep living, brother. Keep get busy living or get busy dying. That's man. right, baby. It's Shawshank. That's right.
0: that's right, baby.
1: Um. Okay, we will move on from uh, the studs and duds, and we will get to our next question. Uh, From our sharp-eared listeners. Next question comes from listener Brett Henning at Brett W. Henning on Twitter. Brett says, I have an ongoing argument with my roommates and would like the Icon's input. Could you rank Wendy's, McDonald's, and Burger King for us? The Icon's opinion is held in high, high regard in in our house. Easy.
0: McDonald's, Wendy's, BK.
1: Yeah, I. That's correct. Yeah, no question. Great answer. Great question too. Our li- next question comes from listener Eric at uh, E <laughs> E Rennick, How do you pronounce that? Let me see. Irnick, Irnick. Of course. I don't
0: know. <laughs> All right. I just grind on sports stories. I'm not a, you know, telling us spelling man. You yeah. know? I mean, yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, Eric asks, "Rating for Cardi's dunk? Scale of one to ten. It, it's a ten for me. Yeah,
0: ten on ten. Yeah, no question.
1: Uh, next question comes from listener Michael Beasley Fan Club president. Oh, the fan club presidents asking. Okay, uh, well, as a question for the icon. That is at KSU underscore funny thirty three. Uh, he asks, "I need some help cheering up some of my KU buddies. They're really down after losing their Super Bowl." Do you have any advice on how to help their spirits pick back up?
0: Well, Mister President, uh, thank you for uh, thank you for the submission. Uh, appreciate uh, all you've done for uh, Michael Beasley's Be- Michael Beasley's reputation, fan club, etc. Uh, but what I would tell you is this is honestly a a a, a true statement coming from me. Is that in college basketball? They, you know, Ku fans love their streak—the fourteen straight conference titles, whatever. Yeah, they love that, and it's they should they should be proud of whatever. But regular season college basketball is not that important to me. I mean, if you have a team like let's say K State, let's say K State last year finished fourth or fifth in the Big Twelve, go the Elite Eight. Looked at as a very, you know, memorable season, great season, a successful season. Every, me, no one would argue that. But in some of these KU seasons where they win the conference title, and then they've got, you know, I'm going back to kind of the early days of Bill Self, where they lose in the first round to uh, Bucknell or Bradley. You take your pick. You Yeah, you win the conference title, but you get knocked out in the first round of the NCAA tournament. What season would you rather have? Would you rather have finished fourth or fifth in Big 12 and make a team lead eight, or would you rather win the conference title and get knocked out week one, or game one? It's so, a fair point. Um, I would say, but other than that, you know, of course, with the with the news that uh, came across a little bit ago about with Gerald Vick, it's, uh, it's a team that, one, can't win on the road right now to save their life, and it's a team that's fighting some issues right now, it looks like internally, so... Uh, whatever you decide to go with, uh, Mr. President, uh, make it good, I guess, because they, they need it. Yeah, they
1: need some consoling. Yeah, they, they need something. Uh, Mr. President asks a second question. He asks, if you could sit down for a beer, and the best burger in MHK, which is, of course, the Kiter. Oh, yeah, of course. No question. With any former EMA b-baller, who would you choose?
0: Ooh. Man, that's a really good question. You know, one that, and I of course I haven't had the chance to meet him, but regarded as one of the all-time greats at KC, and a guy that was just too far a little bit before my time uh, was Mitch Richmond. Oh yeah, that'd be a nice one. And of course, hearing, uh, you know, of course a long um, NBA career, won an NBA title with the Los Angeles Lakers with Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant. Uh, was part of those Golden State uh, Warrior teams, uh, part of Run DMC. Now an assistant coach at St. John's uh, with Chris Mullen. I think he'd have a lot of great stories, and I think it would be uh, really fascinating to, to, to listen to some of
1: those. Yeah, that'd be good. And he has a follow-up, uh, same question but for football.
0: Okay. Um, my answer will be El Roberson, my favorite K-State player of all time.
1: Not Jared Cooper? He'd show you, he'd show you at night. <laughs> yeah, he would. He would. No, I,
0: I'm going to go with L. Roberson. I, I'm, I always uh, was, a, was a huge fan of his growing up, and um, that would be my pick there.
1: All right. Next question comes from listener David Sabin at Sabanation on Twitter. David asks, Hey, Icon, I must have missed your video of uh, your decision. How many shirts were you wearing when you shocked the world and revealed your intentions to attend Kansas State University? Lots
0: to unpack here, um, D'Loen. Would you like to kind of catch the listeners up here on on what uh, Saban Nation is is alluding to?
1: Yeah. So yesterday was, of course, signing day. Uh, that was Wednesday. Um, there was a recruit that K State was after, Gavin Potter, out of Broken Arrow, Oklahoma.
0: Also, same uh, hometown, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, as Clint Stewart.
1: Oh, wow. How about that? Continue. It's a proud high school program. Um, a lot of talent there. Uh, and he, Gavin Potter committed to K-State months ago, but it was fairly a well-known secret that he had uh, since been weighing his other options. Long story short, uh, yesterday he comes out, films a video of him uh, Wearing a K State shirt at his signing day event, um, takes off the K State sweatshirt to reveal a Texas Tech shirt. Uh, that was another school he was considering. Uh, then removes that shirt. Uh, so the double fake out to reveal that he has uh, KU uh, signs. I forget whether yeah, it, was, it, it, was, it, said it was Kansas. Just, it it, or it, it in was just
0: KU and it had body pain, and then it had his. Had his name and number on the back, I believe.
1: Yeah, and I know that uh, that made the rounds yesterday on Barstool's Instagram feed, and it was kind of uh, eye-roll-inducing for a lot of people, but I don't know. He's a kid.
0: Further, uh, of course, coming from the state of Oklahoma, he uh, took that opportunity in a not necessarily during his announcement, uh, but in the interview after his announcement with some of the local media there to let to inform Oklahoma and Oklahoma State they made a, a, an egregious, a terrible decision by letting him get out of the state.
1: Give me a break. Yeah. Well. Give me a break. Um, not a lot to add on to that, but
0: so th- this kid is going to go to KU. Win maybe nine games in his career and uh, go on his merry way, never to be heard from again. Yeah, is, that, is, is I mean, is that not a possibility? It's, yeah, it's certainly mean, what history would suggest. You, you not only do you diss on half the half the conference uh, schedule that you're going to be playing, you get to play the next four years for a program that is far and away
1: the worst in the Big Twelve. So it's not exactly a recipe for success, but. God, you know, God bless him. I mean he he did it with uh, a lot of uh he doesn't like for confidence.
0: No. No, he does not like for confidence. You you'd expect that more from an offensive player rather than a defensive player. <laughs> yeah. But uh but uh, no, he um doesn't like for confidence. It'll be interesting to uh to follow that career as as it progresses.
1: But as for you, uh how many shirts did you wear? Um I just wore one. Just like a normal person. Did you take it off? No. I took mine off. You of did? It. Did yeah. you really? I okay. took it off, and I had K State on my chest. Oh, okay. Underneath a K State shirt. Oh. Well. It was so like there was no fake. It's kind of like when Sting <laughs> would wear a Sting mask mm-hmm. uh, and then reveal it to, <laughs> to reveal his face painted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then yeah. oh, Sting all along. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. Yep. Uh, all right, listener uh, E underscore S for KSU. A lot of questions. This week's edition. On a short week. Everybody's getting after it. Uh, Good job by them. E underscore S for KSU asks, can I get a top five of food items from Arby's?
0: Of course you can.
1: Of course you can. We love Arby's. Oh, they've got the meats. Yeah. You know it.
0: Um, So, yeah. Top five. Um, Now, is this in any particular order? um, I'm going to list it in...
1: Alphabetical order.
0: No, I'm not going to list it in alphabetical order, but I'm going to I'm going to list it in as good of an order as I can, and then we'll come back to see kind of how it goes. In prepared. terms of that, well, best up front. Yeah, best okay. up front. So number one, beef and cheddar.
1: Okay.
0: I mean, classic. Now he's not necessarily asking for menu items; he's asking for anything. There, correct. Like sauces. Hey, your interpretation. is Yeah. yeah. So mine. Uh, number two, though, you got
1: to go with the curly fries, my man. Yeah. Curly, curly fries might be number one.
0: Yeah, that has a that has a definite argument there. Uh, but I'm gonna go curly fries, and I'm also gonna make the amendment here: curly fries, and this is a pro move, folks, with a cup of cheddar. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Let next time you go to Arby's and order, and when you order that uh, when you order that cup of cheddar with your fries, tell them the icon sent you.
1: Well, they'll they ought to know if. Uh Whoever's working that register is gonna say, "The icon put you up to this." Hey, you you
0: won't you'll uh, you can thank me later when it comes to that. Oh, so, so, so
1: is the cup of cheddar number three? No, no, okay. we're,
0: we're just gonna put that. We're gonna
1: <laughs> the cup of cheddar all. Uh, <laughs> um,
0: and then number uh, number three here, we're gonna go maybe a little bit off the board here. Jamocha shake, Ooh,
1: great choice, great move. Oh yeah. It's quality. Got to got to love the Jimbo Shake.
0: Number 4. I I think of the most iconic sauce there is out there. It's the Arby sauce.
1: Mhm. That's What's yeah that that to
0: love? It, it it fits great on anything. It fits great on your beef and cheddar. It fits great uh, to dip your fries in. It's it's a very versatile sauce that's deserving
1: of a lot of respect. On the topic of fast food sauce, if I can just insert this for a second. Sure. You, you said most iconic sauce out there yeah you're right but have you ever had that chick-fil-a sauce man oh yeah no, no,
0: that stuff's great
1: have you ever had the awesome sauce from wendy's i think it's only been out for like eight months i don't or think something. i have no oh it's good stuff okay it's great stuff i think they're all the same thing i think they're all just like thousand island dressing and
0: like it <laughs> ranch
1: or something but
0: it works uh okay so we're on number four, four. No, now we're now on number five here okay And yeah, number five i have to look at a staple of the Arby's menu. And shout out to Ryan Yeager. It is not the chicken salad.
1: Oh, that's right. I thought you were going.
0: No, it is not the chicken salad. It's the Big Montana. Oh, okay. Tell me a little bit about the Big Montana. Well, between two buns, you just have a ton of roast beef.
1: That is
0: the Big Montana.
1: <laughs> I like that. It took me a while. Speaking of roast beef... I know exactly where you're going with this. It's, Go ahead. It's, what's Arby's famous for? Uh, Drew, they're famous for roast
0: beef. And yeah. well, no, other, yeah. other things, but and, roast beef. And is, cups of cheese. And cups of cheese. <laughs> and, yeah, I'm telling you, you guys, your world will never be the same with a cup of cheddar. But roast beef, R-B. Arby's. Arby's, yeah.
1: Yeah. How about that? Yeah. As a child. I was like 27 when I learned yeah, that. Yeah. So as a child,
0: um, I would throw fits if we didn't eat at Arby's. I wouldn't eat anywhere else. So, uh, my family, uh, my my older sisters, they had to uh, they had to to deal with eating at Arby's. They didn't like it as much as me. But uh, that's a bad job by them. So, um, I'm I'm trying to help them out the best I can.
1: All right. Thanks for that question, E underscore. Uh, next question comes from Tyler H at T H eight underscore. Yes. Yeah, Ikon. Who do you think Michael Beasley's going to sign with?
0: Hmm. Well, so Michael Beasley was traded today from the Los Angeles Lakers to the Los Angeles Clippers, and then he is planned to be waived by the Clippers. So, man, I don't know. Uh, We'll go out and say maybe he has a little bit of a homecoming. Uh, We'll say the Washington Wizards um, are the
1: uh, are the team of choice. Oh, that'd be nice for Michael Beasley. Yeah. Uh, Tyler has a uh, a second question. He asks, "Hey Icon, lots of." Hot dud talk this week. Uh, yes, when will D. Lou get a segment that people want, no demand, studs and duds? Well, you know what? Studs and duds comes out on Mondays.
0: Yeah. It I, comes out
1: on Mondays for football and it comes out on Mondays for basketball you know, because it, that's when the polls release. Exactly. Um, but we might have something in the works in the future uh, in terms of getting some kind of studs and duds content on here. It, it might, uh, are on the sides of studs more than duds, uh, but hey, they need love too. But yeah, but brainstorm. I,
0: I just want to make a quick commentary when you when you release uh, what your algorithm spits out as studs and duds. <sighs> I notice the studs don't get quite the love that the duds do, or well, vice versa. The studs get some appreciation, but. Much of the focus is on the duds. Does that speak to where we are as a society at this point in time? I think that's a
1: very poignant uh, remark out of you, Icon. Hey, thank you. I appreciate um, that. Because it's true. I, if, if you review the Twitter analytics, people like the duds. A, people are attracted to the duds a lot more uh, in recognizing um, what they correctly perceive as. Uh, incorrect behavior. And...
0: They feel personally slighted, would
1: you say? Yeah, I don't know whether it's a commentary on um, the innate retribution uh, that people have, but uh, it's true that that the duds seem to be uh, what get people more fired up. And I... I don't... I'm not here to say whether it's right or wrong, but I think it's kind of a disappointing aspect of human nature, if that's what it is. But, um, well said. To your point, Tyler, uh, there might be some, some kind of content uh, on the short side in the future on the topic of suds and duds. But we'll move on to listener Steve Dave's question at Steve Dave KSU. Steve Dave asks, I'm confident the Squawks will at least share the regular season conference title. Am I a complete downgrade?
0: Well, Steve, Dave, thank you for the question. Um, I, I wouldn't consider you a downgrade because it's, it, it's, not, without, uh, it, it's not without reach uh, for, for being able to happen. You look at KU's schedule the rest of the way, it shapes up pretty favorably. Um, the road games that they have left are against the weaker teams in the Big 12. But until this team wins on the road – and, and can show that they can do that. It's tough seeing them getting a share of this title. They're gonna to have to go out and go at least two and two on the road in order to, uh, in order to get uh, to have a chance to win the conference title. So not gonna say you're downgrade, but I'm saying you might be getting close to it.
1: All right, harsh words from the icon. Uh, listener Todd, our final question of the week comes from listener Todd at TG this. Todd asks, which football recruit are you most excited about from this year's class?
0: Oh, boy. This is a great question. And I want to look this uh, this guy's name up uh, first so I don't butcher it. So, D. Louie, I'm going to ask you to give yours because I know that you've been following this uh, very closely. And uh, we may also have some more uh, have some more – content related to, uh, to signing day uh, since it has now come and gone. Uh, of course, you know, with K-State under, under Coach Snyder, there was always uh, the threat of having uh, a few late signees here, uh, even, you know, during the summer, like during July, August, where we get a couple guys in. Uh, but this, this class has uh, got 21 commitments as of now. Uh, looks to be pretty well filled out. Um, maybe a couple names uh, pop up here and there, but uh, pretty well filled out. D-Louis, do you have a uh, have one that you'd like to, to mention?
1: Yeah, and this is probably going to be cliche, uh, but, man, Chris Heron, Uh That's a guy I really like. He's a quarterback. Uh, can do a lot of things, be a dual threat. Um, I think that that's a guy that... Uh, very. I mean, it's very possible that he could be leading us uh here in three years or so, to probably three years at the at the earliest. But that's a guy that I think uh, could be a household name for K State fans in the future. Okay. Not. I don't think he'll certainly won't be an immediate impact guy, but a guy that might turn out to be, you know, when it's all said and done, be the be the the guy to remember from this class.
0: Okay, that's, that's a that's a, uh, a common name that I've heard that a lot of folks are um, fired up about. My answer is going to be a little bit more of an immediate uh, an immediate impact to Case State. I look at Matthew Palomao, Palomao. I'm not quite. Palomao,
1: the kid from Arizona.
0: Yes. Uh, Defensive tackle, 6'3", 300 pounds, gives K-State some much-needed depth along the defensive line uh, at the defensive tackle position, a a place where K-State has had some really nice performers. I think Trey Deshaun played uh, played pretty well last year. Will Geary, of course, manning that position for a number of years uh, before graduating and moving on but it's a position that K-State has had some standouts at but just hasn't been very deep uh, in that position uh, due to any type of injury or um, you know lack of uh, availability, whatever the case may be, that that's always a concern. But uh, anytime you have a chance to, to add uh, that kind of size on the defensive line, uh, that gets me excited. Uh, he was actually the highest rated recruit that we got, uh, a 5.7 on rivals, uh, 6.1 rating scale. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of, of what, uh, K-State was able to do, uh, signed him, uh, held off, uh, Arizona, Arizona State, uh, BYU and Illinois, uh, for
1: his services. Well, had some great options there, especially with K-State and Illinois, is, um, uh, just a couple other names from this class while we're on the topic. As, as the icon said, we're going to be pushing out some content um, on the, the signed class here in the uh, coming weeks uh, as we drill down into it and have some more time. Uh, but Joshua Youngblood, that's a guy that uh, people are raving about. Absolutely a speed merchant.
0: A small speed merchant team. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and uh, Kenyon Reed is also going to be uh, on that team. He's a defensive back out of Long Beach. Um, but you know what? I think it's fair to say that our abridged take on this class is that there's some good pieces here.
0: Yeah, and my my whole thing is I'm not one to get overly high or overly low on any type of recruiting class because, you know, with the attrition that K-State's faced in, in past years with – with so many players leaving the program. I'm hopeful that that's not the case under a new regime. However, um, you never know which of these guys are going to pan out, so I don't like to, to set myself up uh, too high on certain guys um, as you know, these are 18- uh, to 20-year-old kids that are coming in here that uh, there's a high level of avail- uh, unpredictability, to be quite honest. Uh, with with how they're going to perform, but there are some interesting names uh, that I'm I'm looking forward to. One guy I'm really looking uh, at that, you know, we stole away in a hard fought battle uh, with Toledo is Kenny Givens out of Chicago. Uh, only a two star recruit by uh, rivals, but has some serious measurables that uh, that catch your eye. Six four, two seventy two as a defensive end.
1: You like that's what you want out of your defensive end. That's that's a almost a Kevin Huntley. Yeah. Frame,
0: yeah, it's a big frame, kind of, kind of similar uh, to Brandon Harrell too in terms of ooh, that.
1: That's one of my favorite recruits ever. For I, I, I
0: did not like Brandon Harrell. Uh, well, I didn't.
1: He wasn't a, he wasn't a, didn't have a great career at K State, yeah. but, but the recruit was great. But as a recruit, ooh, he yeah. was almost up there with Lamarck. Uh, both, me. both,
0: in, I believe, East St. Louis guys, correct?
1: That's exactly right. Yeah, that's a really good point. Maybe I just have a thing for. Uh, you know those guys at Illinois. Is, yeah, is a sucker for him.
0: Yeah, that's right. Well, it's been a long edition here. Of the short side option. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, like uh, like D. Louis said, we're going to uh, we're going to be getting together here uh, and uh, having a special edition where we really do break down this recruiting class uh, in a lot more detail. Uh, kind of glossed over some of the guys that uh, you know caught our eye uh, come signing day. Um, but this recruiting class, uh, I think, does does. It was a tough situation coming in, where K State was so far behind on on getting a class put together. Only had about eight, nine commitments, and they finished out with twenty one. via uh, arrivals ranked sixty seventh in the country. Not a great number to be at, uh, but from where they were at earlier, they were in the in the nineties, I believe. So a nice. Nice finish to this class, uh, even though they were hamstrung. Kind of got into the race about uh, three-quarters of the way, uh, over three-quarters of the way, but I think they made up some good ground towards the end. And uh, it's really about uh, getting momentum going into uh, the 2020 recruiting class, which we will cover uh, in detail uh, a little bit later uh, here on the Short Side Option podcast. D. Louis, is there anything else you'd like to add before uh, before we sign off for the night?
1: Uh, I just want to say that uh, we wish Gerald Vick the best in his future endeavors. Sure. And uh, that we think uh, let's go get two victories down in the Lone Star State.
0: That's right. Be, it'll be interesting uh, to see how K-State comes out. This is a very crucial stretch for them. Uh, on the road at Baylor on Saturday, 5 o'clock tip time, ESPN 2 is where you can find that game. Uh, and then, uh, of course, going to Texas on Tuesday night, a big game uh, at the Irwin Center as K-State looks to maintain their, uh, their first place standing in the Big 12 and even look to grow on that as we, uh, as we get a little bit further in the conference season. So that'll do it for this edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. Got a little bit of basketball, a little bit of football on this one. Thank you for listening and go Cats.